that I don't want to find your raisins anymore, Grandma. Get them out of your own blouse. Oh, God. <laughs> really? You're bringing back bad memories, Jason. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, where we're raising questions about movies. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Screen Fix, the show where we will fix a recent film and give you a little bit of movie news. With me, as always, are the host to carry the show. We have back from the wilds, the Ooh. jungles, the volcanoes of Central America. We have Lady Juan. She's back. Say hi to everybody. Hola. And Mustachio is not in studio today. He's out doing something super important, super film related, I'm sure. But we have a replacement for him today. Special guest, an old podcasting veteran. Well, he's not old. (laughs) Nigh on 80 years. (laughs) He's been on other podcast shows such as Geek Tropics. This is Eric. Say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on. We went from a mustache to a beard. That's a nice beard. Can I touch it? (laughs) Mm. Soft. Do you use like uh, VO5 hot oil or? (laughs) Uh, Olive oil, coconut oil, any sort of oil. Any of the oils. Organic. Just just the oiliest thing. Any of the pantry oils will do. Any. Canola. Canola. (laughs) Got to get that canola in the morning. (laughs) So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did this weekend? Did you do something that was film related or who knows? Maybe you finished your burlap onesie and unveiled it at the beach. What did you do this weekend, Lady Wan? That sounds very itchy. <laughs> but very affordable. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Well, I don't think I had a very movie-related weekend. I did my non-movie plan B, which is sports. I went to go see some semi-pro hockey. I don't know if they can make a living doing what they're doing, but it was a good time. Just in case you all forgot, Lady Wan is sports <laughs> podcasting royalty. <laughs> I have been on Game Worn Radio several times. <laughs> How about you, uh, Erica? Did you do anything this weekend that was film related? Uh, or just tell us anything at all you did. Maybe you finally met face to face with your Samoan pen pal. Uh, just <laughs> w- whatever you did this weekend, just let us know. Well, my, my movie related action is I, I finally, something that slipped through the cracks for me was to see Coco, uh, the Pixar movie oh. that came out. And it just was put out onto Netflix oh. now. And so I, oh. there's my reasoning, but popped it on and I was, you know, it was never quite something I was running out to see when it came out last Thanksgiving I think Mm -hmm. is when it came out but I watched it and it's like in the top three of like Pixar movies in terms of just pacing and style and humor like so many parts of it I was just really really impressed with and I'm surprised I I let it go so long. I also think you can make a drinking game out of how many times they say ofrenda (laughs) every five minutes the ofrenda. I have to put this on the ofrenda. <laughs> ofrenda. The, the things on the ofrenda. Okay. The thing you put the pictures on is the ofrenda. We get it. We got it. Yeah, my, my favorite part is when they asked uh, Donde esta la biblioteca. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically the first thing you learn in Spanish class exactly. in high school. But uh, um, that was a good one. Otherwise, I was, uh, uh, I was just uh, going with some... Uh, people into the theme parks around here if you've uh, ah, uh, as you might theming. lead into other uh, appearances I have on upcoming projects uh, ah. so. oh uh, if you are interested in more of that Eric was a guest on my other podcast sister podcast of this one it's called that would never happen he did discuss 
the movie Escape from Tomorrow. Yeah, the movie that was secretly and without Disney's endorsement shot inside the Disney parks. Wild movie, and uh, Eric provides some great uh, insider commentary on that one. Anybody want to ask me what I did this weekend? Anybody? Anybody? What did you do this weekend, JC? Ah, thank you for asking. I went to a theater restoration party. They just restored this beautiful theater from the 1920s, and they showed the Buster Keaton movie, The General. Love it. Oh. With a live orchestra scoring over it. Just like they would have done in the 20s when theaters had house orchestras to play over the silent films. Did they also turn off the air conditioning to very make jealous. it more authentic? Yes, it was. It was very. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, Buster Keaton's so charming. Uh, the action so well done. If you've never seen The General, I think you should check it out. And let's check out. This week's movie news, let's go ahead and hit our first topic on, uh, was it Tom Cruise's Twitter or was it on his Instagram or both? I'm not sure. Probably Instagram. On the socials, Tom Cruise showed us our first look. It was just basically just a photo of him in his flight suit (laughs) in front of a jet. It was our first look, Top Gun 2. It has begun filming. It's called Top Gun Maverick. And it says, feel the need on the poster. (laughs) It says, that's really funny because I'm going to ask if you guys are feeling the need for Top Gun 2, but potential plot of Top Gun 2, uh, Tom Cruise did say that it is a competition film, Mm -hmm. and I know that early drafts of Top Gun 2 involved uh, drone usage, making the need for pilots dwindle, Hmm. but I do also know that the director of this film, which is the director of Tron Legacy and the movie with Tom Cruise, Oblivion, said that he has no interest in doing a movie about drones. But Tom Cruise did say that this is a competition movie, so uh, hmm. maybe there's still drones in there somewhere, but maybe it's not as drone-heavy as earlier drafts, perhaps. But Top Gun 2, what are your thoughts? Do you have the need for Top Gun Maverick? Lady, want to let you go first. Go ahead. I do not. I I don't. And I was talking to uh, Mr. Lady One about this this weekend, and he was telling me that the average fighter pilot career is something like eight years. Like, it's really short. So he's like, what the hell? Nobody from the 80s is still flying. Like, what's this guy supposed to be doing? <laughs> like, he's like, I don't understand what he's doing. And I was like, I don't know. Like, yeah. it's not adding up. Maybe he's in the, like, uh, maybe he's now in a teaching role kind of because remember the the original they're in the flight academy right. correct yeah. yeah but i can't imagine they'd have crews back and then be like you can't yeah you can't fly anymore <laughs> like you're just going to be a teacher and you're going to be in the first 20 minutes and then we're going to send off some ace pilots i i agree with you i don't quite know what capacity he's going to fill in that's not going to be a ridiculous return to action Um, I don't know if he's gonna like, they're gonna have to have nods back to the original film. They're gonna have to bring back like some other call signs or something to show like, Hey, this is, I want Meg Ryan (laughs) goose's widow. I want her to come back. Yeah, that's true. I think Meg Ryan needs it. I mean, she doesn't need it. She's got, I mean, she's rich or whatever, but (laughs) it would be nice to bring Meg Ryan back into the fold for this one. That would be a perfect callback. I feel like. Yeah, I, that would be interesting, I think, because they're, they're going to have to, I mean, it, it's how do you tie this in with the past, but you've brought back the star power and star and Tom Cruise. So, I mean, who who's the enemy here? Who's the, if it's a competition, is it some sort of, 
I mean, actually, I kind of dig the idea of going against drones because, I mean, they're they're the cocky, they're the can-do-it-all, and it's so set up for a, uh, you know, oh, you can never be as good as the technology we've developed. Right, yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll never be able to make the moral decisions of a real person in the cockpit. Right. Maybe that's it. He'll just be driving around in an automated vehicle like a, you know, an automated SUV, and he has to overcome the automated pilot for it to survive. <laughs> What's going to happen? And I actually really hope this doesn't happen. Do you remember the bad Jamie Foxx movie? Stealth. Stealth. <laughs> yes. Remember yeah. Stealth where he had to fight this like essentially like a big drone airplane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like an in, in, in unmanned craft. I'm I'm hoping that this doesn't become some kind of form of stealth where they are going against drones, but somehow like the enemy hack those drones and suddenly they have to go hunt down the like the drones (laughs) that just tiring sigh (laughs) you know and those drones like wreak havoc on the whole academy so they have to scrounge up anyone left and that includes aging instructor tom cruise oh jeez yeah this sounds for sure what they're gonna do i hate it (laughs) right (laughs) i hate it you think the style would stay in like they'd go all retro 80s soundtrack they'd kind of live that up again or you think they bring it into the future and give them some you know future gritty attitude is the future gritty attitude yeah (laughs) i mean if he's a grizzled old pilot yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about this on a previous podcast. I do want Meg Ryan to be his romantic lead. She's been nursing the death of Goose with alcohol and with Botox injections into her lips, and <laughs> and, and she's and she is back to maybe there might even be a little romance there between Cruz and uh, Ryan, huh? Sure. Taking your buddy's girl years later. I mean, there's been time. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's finally, I mean, she'll never lose that loving feeling. <laughs> oh. But girl needs comfort. And yeah. Tom Cruise provides that kind of comfort. The goose is loose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How much do you want to wager that the Berlin song plays in this film? Mm-hmm. 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 Lovely rendition. The song, the, yeah. the song that my that the song that when it started, my grandma used to make me leave leave the room. It's gonna be on in the background of a smoky bar. Oh, that's what it is. It'll be that kind of that that kind of callback, just kind of on in the background. Yeah, that would be awesome. Eric, you gave your thought already. Yeah, right? I, I kind of gave my thought. I would say pretty this much. Is a... You just jumped in there. You didn't didn't wait your turn. It's it's okay. You're new. It's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I agree uh, with Lady Juan. I think this one's a a pass for me as well for the reasons stated. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones where I should pass on it, but I'm not gonna. I'm I'm gonna go say it just oh, oh, yeah. just just because I'm in a movie pass right? though. I'm not like paying for it. No way. No. So Tom Cruise, we're not into it, but we're going to see it. (laughs) Uh, Let's jump into our next thing. So I didn't even really, it wasn't really on my radar that a Spawn reboot was in the works. I think I'd probably heard something about it, but I guess it was just not on my radar screen. But some news came out this week that uh, Jamie Foxx is the one in talks to play Spawn. Did either of you see the Spawn? Spawn, the Spawn film that came out in 1997, starring Michael Jai White and John Leguizamo. 
I did not. It kind of flew under the radar for me. I remember when it came out, I feel like I saw it. It didn't have a big star other than John Leguizamo. Well, Martin Sheen is in it, but uh, John Leguizamo was our freaky, weird little demon-looking clown guy, and he would, like, fart and stuff. So- what, what? I hope I didn't stain my underwear. <laughs> kind of stupid. <laughs> I mean, uh, the movie grossed almost 90 million worldwide on a budget of 40 million. You know, not enough to make it a, a huge hit, but wow. I guess enough to make people think that people might still want it years, years later. I mean, do we want these kind of dark comic book movies a la Venom? Because I kind of put Venom in this same kind of category. These anti-hero, mm-hmm. dark. What are your thoughts on this Spawn reboot? And does Jamie Foxx make you more interested? Uh, I'll let you go first this time, Eric. Uh, I I don't know. It's an interesting property to bring back. Uh, I feel like you're not going to be getting quite the draw from in that period of time where there was a lot of like extremes and Edge was kind of coming around for the first time. Where they were like, oh, let's not give, you know, let's get the anti-heroes out there. Let's get the people with problems out there. Let's get the characters that have all these flaws and bring out this flatulence. Yeah, all this flatulence that's going around <laughs> in the 90s. We all remember that. Um, <laughs> 97 was a really flatulent year. Very for me. flatulent times. <laughs> um, <laughs> so to bring that back, I feel like it's you're, you're taking something that was kind of the proto evolution of a lot of what we're seeing now, especially from like the DC universe and trying to bring that again in here and saying like we're going to be gritty and we're going to be edgy and we're going to have you know a twist on a character and we're all like yeah so is everybody right now and we appreciate (laughs) it and we've got venom coming out so yeah i i I don't know exactly where this fits i agree i think jamie fox is a good choice i think he if anybody can put an interesting take on it that's above and beyond i'd like to see what we get as a first look but um you know I'd, i'd prioritize you know other other properties or other things out there before dipping back into spawn how about you lady one what's your take on all this spawn venom dark superhero thing that we've got going on right now and jamie fox do you uh do you find him foxy i do yeah um that's the only reason why i like the sound of this is jamie fox He's fantastic. He's super charismatic. He's a great actor. He's got great comedic timing, and you've got to have some funny things in this movie. Like, you you have to. It, it can't he, just be super dark and serious. It's funny because talking about Spawn and Venom kind of together kind of makes sense. It's like Jamie Foxx is going to bring the humor that Tom Hardy looks like he's maybe trying to bring, but it's not working. Like in the trailer, when Tom Hardy's like, why would we do that? You can tell that that's supposed to be comedic, perhaps, but his delivery of it, you're right, like lacking timing that someone like Jamie Foxx has. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. Like, I didn't really see all the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies because Tobey Maguire was my Spider-Man until Tom Holland came along and now I've moved on. (laughs) But I did watch the one with Jamie Foxx in it because I was like, Jamie Foxx is great. And I was really like, I felt frustrated for him. I was like, this is not what he probably thought he was going to get out of this. I'm glad he's getting like a real shot to like lead a movie like this. He's great. And that one, doesn't he fall into like a tank of eels or something? (laughs) Oh, God, I don't even... It was tough stuff. Okay, so speaking of uh, Venom, while we just touched on it, uh, there was another small piece of news. We'll talk about this real quick. Uh, Woody Harrelson was talking about his small role in Venom, and he let it drop that he's going to be in Venom and in Venom 2, and the rumor is that he's playing Carnage, but 
besides him playing Carnage, is this another instance of the studio getting ahead of themselves a la the Dark Universe? What do you think, Eric? I think it's fair to, I mean, it's possible that Venom was really written already to go into a second one. Um, We don't quite know. And I think a lot of writers and producers now are probably incentivized to write it that way. Um, to say, hey, look, we've got yeah. this open-ended thing. You're welcome to come back to the well, and we'll we'll hit you one more time over the head with whatever character you want. So it's it might be something that there's an opportunity at the end of Venom to play right into something else, and it could be good. But um, you know, there's something to be said for putting it all down in one good movie that takes you from start to finish and leaves you feeling satisfied and happy to have watched it, and not waiting to see the post-credit scene so you could figure out what actually happens to of your characters that you've just invested time and energy in uh lady one yeah yeah i mean why can't people just make one good movie like right i don't i don't understand and like not to go backwards but i was reading about the spawn movie and the creator was saying he envisions it as a trilogy like stop it what if it sucks (laughs) and you didn't tell enough of your story because you are saving something good for the next one stop it it. exactly and also stop telling me that you're going to survive this first movie woody harrelson yeah exactly (laughs) now i have no like investment in your character yeah i get it it's just uh it seems like people are just holding on to ideas for future films instead of letting it all play out in one used to be a movie came out it was successful and then when you heard about a sequel you're like oh there's more to this story like you're pleasantly surprised yeah. like oh mm-hmm. what are they going to do this time like what can they possibly do this time like you know nowadays like one ends and you already kind of know what two's going to be like oh well that guy's still alive i guess he's going to fight him now it really does a disservice it really makes these first films very weak from a story standpoint Definitely. right and if you want to have a long form story um you know take the route of something like Jessica Jones or some of those like Marvel spinoffs and do some sort of series, do some sort of thing that can go on and continue and be renewed on that front. It seems like they're they're trying to get the big budgets of the films and and uh, still run them for five or six movies when you know a, a streaming series or a television show could do just as well. Yeah, it's got to be the fault of the studios too. There's no way that they don't want this. I feel like people are walking into to pitch meetings and they're pitching trilogies. Yeah. Anyway, Venom, Spawn, Darkness, <laughs> Jamie Fox, funny, Tom Hardy trying his best but not not quite doing it I don't know. let's move on to our next topic of discussion oh <laughs> you sound surprised by it even though like <laughs> even though like, like huh, re- i'm just pulling this card like, here and i'm oh, seeing uh wow i'm just <laughs> put all the topics in that can over there and shake it up yeah. <laughs> oh huh. okay so uh james marsden has been pegged to star in the sonic the hedgehog movie First of all, we can mention that I think I expected a bit Marsden from Marsden with his new Westworld fame. No? Yeah, it's a little strange. I mean, it's an odd thing to be a, well, I guess, is this the leading leading man or does Sonic take that I, spotlight? I mean, Sonic's got to be the leading quote unquote man, right? <laughs> is he? And and I guess uh, is Sonic crossing into the, the real world or something? I I have no idea. Yeah. That's weird. Unless Marsden is playing like Dr. Robot. (laughs) He doesn't quite have the shape. I've also been trying to figure out like what possible plot that a Sonic the Hedgehog movie could possibly have. 
I think this may end up being an environmental movie. I think that because the character of Dr. Eggman Robotnik, <laughs> apparently when they were creating him, he was created to represent um, development and kind of machinery and progress. And it was to play on this kind of debate going on at that time between developers and environmentalists. And Oh, yeah, because he's always has to free the animals at the end of the rounds that Robotnik has been keeping. Yeah, so yeah. this is like progress infringing on the environment mm -hmm. kind of kind of story so i believe they might play on some of that i also think that there's going to be a twist where dr robotnik is not the final villain because in a lot of the games dr robotnik is not the final villain the final villain is actually a lot of times somebody who was a, an ally of him but then betrayed him so i feel like that's going to come into play in this movie uh, also also we got to wonder who's going to play some of sonic's sidekicks like we got tails you know, tails, tails the little fox so who cute. who has two tails and can spin around like a like a helicopter right he uses his tail like yeah. helicopter blades like right? pete pablo in his t-shirt yeah oh if james marsden's name is miles prower we know that he's going to become tails oh. that would be kind of weird <laughs> <laughs> Sonic starts turning humans into like his sidekick characters. In a cute little um, animals? I like it. Yeah, right? Did you know Tails' name was Miles Prower? Like Miles Per Hour? Yeah, it's a little play on right. words. Yeah. Uh, can't have a Sonic movie without Knuckles. Yeah, I don't know how many people, I mean, this kind of gets back to a, a universe theory. Is this something they're going to plan on introducing one or two characters? And then they're like, hey, if you want the rest keep it coming right or um, maybe they tease knuckles at the end oh. to be in the sequel because remember like <laughs> <laughs> he came later yeah uh, knuckles was introduced i think in the third one yeah because i had he, the second one and he's not in it and he's in echidna yeah which i don't even know what that is what is that um uh, it's like <laughs> somebody wiggle it <laughs> hold on what's a damn echidna it's like autocorrecting to kidney stone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apparently it's a CH right. and not a K. <laughs> that's why that happened. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh -oh. they're anteaters. He's an anteater? Yeah, that's what I thought he was. But then I was like, that's a big word. Maybe he's not. Yeah, spidey anteaters. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't look like an anteater at all. I mean, he's got like a weird face. Like a octopus. They're native thing. to Australia. Yeah. Ah. For like a sequel, they could save Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, characters. Which is, I'd say one of my big questions is how does the scale work between a human <laughs> being and Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, is he going to be like hedgehog right. sized? Yeah. Or is he going to oh. be like this big guy? Or what? what is that going to look the like? The best was if the story was in the human world and Tails was a real fox and Sonic was a real hedgehog. <laughs> Can you imagine some tiny hedgehog just like hauling ass? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just picture this tiny little guy with a what should sound like a little squeaky voice and then an actual fox with two tails yeah, which it, could like eat a hedgehog yeah. if it wanted to it's like a it's realistic a very strange... hedge hedgehog but it has some genetic thing where it's he's all blue yeah because of the chemicals tiny little blue. yeah yeah because of the environmental chemicals oh my god that's why he's so fast too this is why he's fa he's fast because of the yeah. toxic sludge he's fast and yeah. he's blue he fell into a pile of blue running and shoes <laughs> He has red running shoes, but he falls. Yeah. Oh yeah. He falls into a bag of running shoes and comes out like with red shoes. This is stupid, and I love I it. I have no idea how they're gonna make it work, but I'm actually very interested to see how it comes out. So am I, Lady Wan. Further thoughts? I mean, it sounds super dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> I love Sonic. 
Like, I played Sonic 2 and Sonic Pinball. It was one of only, like, five games we had for the Sega Genesis. So I was big into Sonic. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to move it past this shit. (laughs) They definitely picked the the right guy because Marsden was in Hop. Oh, yeah. He does a lot of weird stuff. So he's used to playing in a, in a film against a large CG character that's not there. So Yeah, and he's got a pretty good comedic yeah. timing. So. I like him. Anyway, uh, next topic real quick. Jason Momoa's The Crow is now dead. It's been on again, off again. <laughs> in the, I mean, this project has had Bradley Cooper attached at one point, but it seemed like this iteration with, with Jason Momoa was going to go forward, but it is now dead. And actually, I say it should stay dead. I, I feel like The Crow was part of this 90s goth, grungy music. It just kind of hit a tiny little zeitgeist there. That movie was 50% atmosphere and 50% soundtrack. And I feel like the project should stay dead. But do you all have different opinions? Uh, Lady One, what do you think? I mean, I'm fine with it staying dead. I do want to suggest a change to that percentage because I feel like it's like 40% atmosphere, 30% soundtrack. And then thirty percent guy died making it. Like right, it had that. Yeah, it had that aura. Over yeah, it. it was like, ooh, this is a thing. Um, yeah, when you watched it, you would look for the scenes that were purposely shot far away with someone else. Mm-hmm. I had uh, momentarily forgot about that while I was talking about it just now. Yeah, it, it had that kind of uh, morbid curiosity. Yeah, to definitely. It. That's absolutely true. Eric, what are you? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm I'm kind of with you guys on the same. Same aspect that it was a bit of lightning Mm -hmm. in the bottle when it first came around and it was the right time, right place. I think it also speaks to that maybe Jason Momoa isn't quite as big of a draw as people might think he is. Uh, Yeah, because uh, some of it was that maybe they didn't find this movie bankable. Yeah, the the studio who owns the rights and was providing all the funding, even though they finally had both a director and a star, were ready to roll in a pre-production, were like, nah, we're not really into you guys. What did they say? Creative and financial differences? like financial differences, like I don't want to pay you for this. They just like threw in that <laughs> creative and financial, like like threw that in at the end. It's almost like they threw in creative as just like a professional courtesy. Yeah. Right? Right. We'll give you creative differences, but really we don't want to pay for this <laughs> yeah. crow movie that nobody wants. Although we were getting, you know what? We're getting Spawn. We're getting Venom. Crow would have fit right in there. But who's to say Venom or Spawn is successful? I say that if Venom and Spawn work, maybe the interesting crow might be peak. Like, we're at a wait and see point. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm glad it's not happening. So I didn't want to see it anyway. I didn't want to see Macroa. <laughs> no go. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to our last little topic here. Let's talk about a trailer. We haven't talked about any trailers today. and Usually we're pretty trailer heavy. I know. There was a trailer that dropped this week that I was interested in. The Peppermint trailer jennifer garner is back baby and she's killing she's killing fools killing cartel members with reckless abandon what do you think the plot of this movie is based on this trailer lady one so jennifer garner is at the fair with her daughter and her husband and then the gangsters come in and they shoot her daughter and her husband but i don't really know why because i don't know how important jennifer garner is to cartel goings on um (laughs) but you know i guess they decided like this eight-year-old girl had to die i don't really get the motivation like what does she know (laughs) i don't know i'm poking holes way too soon and then uh jennifer garner tries to go forward with the trial and like point out who did it but the whole system's against her because the cartels paid everybody out and she's like fine i'm gonna go vigilante and then she does and she's like what do they say she trains for five years Yeah, she went off the grid went off the grid she's been cleaning up the streets in the barrio (laughs) 
And yeah, and then she just comes back and apparently she just kills all the, she wants to kill all the dirty cops and all the cartel people involved, right? Yeah. All right. Peppermint trailer. Based on this trailer, do you want to see this film, Eric? Um, It's a strange spot. I mean, it, it comes from the director of Taken and the parallels are pretty similar. You've got a young child that starts the process of revenge and you've got even a scene at the end of the trailer where she's talking into a walkie-talkie this time to some group of cartel dudes saying I will basically destroy <laughs> you. I have the ability to do All this. All lot taken. I will kill every one of you. And then I'll pretty much wing it from there. So it's it's a formula. It's, I mean, it's worked for Taken. They've got, what, three movies out of it? Yeah. Out of just the revenge. And a TV show? Uh, Jennifer, yeah, something related to that. And um, and Jennifer Garner is certainly capable enough to be leading this role. Um, it's a little bit also like Batman Vigilante type of thing. Um, if they play it smart with the politics of it and kind of keep the story nice of nice and tight and kind of get a good message out there, it could be a good, could be a good film. I, I'm optimistic for it, but it also could just be taken version four we ran out of liam neeson (laughs) at the end there's going to be this uh reveal that this is like liam neeson's character's sister or some garbage yeah yeah so this is one of those like she becomes a a vigilante in the the community's torn like she's doing good things someone else is like she's dangerous yeah lady one based on this trailer are you in the seat for peppermint Totally. I love it when Jennifer Garner is assaulting people and not just being like a sad love interest. I like this Jennifer Garner better. You know, like when she's a kid turned adult? I mean, I do love 13 going on 30. (laughs) Like, I can't even begin to tell you how much I love that movie. But I mean, I just like it when she's a badass. She she does it convincingly. Like, she's so sweet in so many things. But like, I believe her when she's just like blowing people away. I don't know. I think she's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad she's back and kicking ass. Yeah. Let's hope she garners a little bit of needed attention and uh, get some more projects. Maybe we'll get Peppermint too. Maybe Spearmint and Wintermint. <laughs> the gum trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting for that gum really? trilogy. Speaking of movies that are potentially a trilogy, but let's let's hope they're not. Ugh. Speaking of films that are not trying to tell one story but are setting up other ones at the end. Speaking of all the things that we don't really like about these first movies, we're gonna fix Solo, a Star Wars story. If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might wanna buckle up, baby. some advice. Assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this. Solo A Star Wars Story (laughs) arrived on the scene. Uh, Early projections had it breaking records, but it came in far below its projections. Maybe a misstep for this early experiment of making Star Wars expansion stories. But uh, let's get let's go ahead and get the stats from our statistician, <laughs> Lady Wan. So the budget for this movie was two hundred and fifty million dollars. Fuck. That's because they reshot all of it. Well, that's the production budget, and I mean. They're dropping serious marketing money on this, so I don't even want to think about oh, yeah. how much this is actually costing. But it made eighty four million in the US. It's opening weekend. It did win the weekend. And after two weeks it's at hundred and twenty seven million domestic and eighty two million outside of the US. Ouch. Which is still not that, enough money. 
Yeah. Yeah. That the uh, the international numbers are bad. It's not good stuff. It's also seventy one percent fresh from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and audiences are at sixty four percent. Ooh, the audience is below. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always a bad sign. It ain't good. We need to take one brief moment, though. We did talk about this production budget, and we did say that it was reshot. I would just like to take a moment to induct Ron Howard into the Screen Fix Hall of Fame. Mr. Howard, we commend what you have done. You took something that was broken, and you did your best to fix it. It didn't always work out, but you have the heart of a true screen fixer. (laughs) Because in our hearts, we still salute you, Ron Howard. Wait, he didn't die. All right, okay, here we go. So <laughs> let's go ahead. Before we fix the movie, we got to know what this thing is about. Here comes Mustachio's sassy. Wait a minute. Mustachio's not here. Lady One's whimsical summary. Go. We meet a young Han Solo as he is attempting to escape from the crime-ridden planet of Corellia with his girlfriend, Kira. Mm-hmm. They work for this giant worm named Lady Proxima, stealing stuff in exchange for protection Allegedly, even though physical abuse seems like part of the gig. <laughs> After trying to escape, Kira gets captured. So Han joins the Imperial Navy to become a pilot. He says he's going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. And the guy who's signing him up for the Empire puts his last name down as Solo because he has no people. And the world collectively groaned. That's one way to put he it. He spends three years fighting as an Imperial infantryman because he got kicked out of the academy for insubordination, I guess. Of course. During some muddy planet battle, he meets the criminal Tobias Beckett and his partners Val and Rio, and he tries to join up with them so he can go back to Corellia and go get Kira and live happily ever after. But those guys are like, nah, we don't want you. So they get him in trouble with the ranking officers and they throw him in this big muddy pit. They're going to feed him to the beast. (laughs) So the beast is chewy and they escape the mud planet and join Beckett's crew. And they're going to steal hyperfuel called coaxium. And they are robbing a train, but it fails because these pirates called Infestness or something... (laughs) Like, I can't pronounce it, but neither can Han Solo in the movie. He keeps saying it all these different ways. Um, anyway, they interrupt the whole thing. It goes sideways. Rio dies. Val dies. Uh-oh. They don't get anything out of it. It's very sad, allegedly. So Beckett tells Han that it's even worse than he thinks it is because they weren't just stealing for themselves. They were stealing for the Crimson Dawn, yeah. who's like this space mafia. And now he's got to go back to his boss and be like, listen, I didn't do what you told me to do. We're in deep shit. So they have to go see the big bad mafia boss, Dryden Voss, who's played by Paul Bettany with like weird stretch marks all over his face. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what that's about. They never explain it. But while they're waiting to see him, he's a full-on psychopath. He's like murdering people in the room while they're hanging out in the party. Han sees Kira and she has been working for Dryden Voss and she's got like the branding from the mafia on her wrist. Clearly, she has seen some shit since... Her and Han last saw each other. Anyway, so they meet with Dryden and they come up with a deal like, okay, we're going to go get some coaxium for you anyway. And so, boom, new mission. And Kira says, we have to go find this guy. He's got a ship and it's Lando. So they meet up with Lando, who is playing Sabacc. And Han is like, I'm going to totally win this ship from him. But Lando's cheating. So Han doesn't win it. And it's a huge misdirect for the audience. Right. Anyway, then Kira is like, hey, you want to do this job with us? 
and Tobias Beckett kind of strong arms him a little bit and Lando just agrees to go along with the whole thing anyway. And um, we also meet Lando's sassy lady droid L337 who believes the droids should have equal rights and she's got a whole lot of attitude. Yeah. Anyway, so they go to Kessel to go to the spice mines and they use tricks and disguises and distractions. They get in, they steal the coaxium. L3 starts a droid revolution on the mining planet and she gets blown to hell in the process and Lando is super sad. So they upload her brain into the Falcon and Han, using L3's navigation, does the infamous Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. He's like going through black holes. He's navigating the Maw. They're evading the Empire. It's pretty cool, except for, you know, like he's mostly doing this because of L3. So like the thing that Han did, he didn't really do it on his own. Anyway, we get to Savarine. They're going to refine the Coaxian, turn it into those cool space vials we saw earlier. But those pirates are already there because they put a tracker on Lando's Falcon way back in like the second act. So they work out a deal off screen. We're going to figure this out. And Han and Chewie and Kira take the Coaxium, maybe, to see Dryden to make the deal. And it turns out that Beckett sold them out. So there's a whole thing. Beckett takes the Coaxium, runs off with Chewie as a hostage. Kira and Han have to fight Dryden Voss in his space yacht. And it looks like Kira's going to kill Han, but then, no, she kills Dryden Voss because why wouldn't she? He's clearly the bad guy with stretch marks all over his face. And the other guy is Han Solo, who we know is going to be fine for a while. So... Kira tells Han, go save Chewie. I'll be right behind you. I'll just get enough stuff so that we can buy a ship and live happily ever after. And Han believes her and goes off to go get Chewie. So Han gets the jump on Beckett. He shoots first. He takes the Coaxium and Chewie. But back on the space yacht, we see that Kira has called up the head of the Crimson Dawn. Turns out there was a guy above Dryden Voss. And that guy is Darth Maul. Dun, dun, dun. And she's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, Yeah, Tobias Beckett totally killed him and I'm coming and everything will be fine. So she's still in the mob life. Han and Chewie have to give the coaxium to these pirates who it turns out are funding the rebellion and they give him one vial to go and make his life with. He goes off, finds Lando again. They place a buck. Han stops Lando from cheating this time and Han wins the Millennium Falcon. Then Chewie and Han are taken off. They're going to go find this big gangster putting together a crew on Tatooine, which we all know is Jabba, and we all know is another movie the studio wants us to go see, but none of us here want to go see it. The end. All right, well done. Full of whimsy and some of that mustachio sass as well. All right, so before we just start saying things that we thought could have been done better, we know a lot of hardworking people worked on each and every movie that we fix, so we're going to say something that we liked about it. Uh, Why don't you tell me something that you liked about it? Eric. Uh, I thought it did a good job in giving us action scenes that were interesting. Sometimes they're a little tough to, I don't want to say tough to follow, but like especially the train scene was a little uh, a little hectic, but you know, the, the, the score, the, the setup, the rise and fall of tension, the stakes going up, um, you know, usually when they had these action scenes, you felt compelled. Uh, you felt like obviously you knew Han was going to make it through, but it still managed to give you that sense of mm-hmm. uh, anticipation and, and heightened just drama that needs to come out of these action sequences. So I thought those those times were pretty well executed for a movie that went through so many changes. Speaking of the score really quick. Yeah. So the Imperial March is part of the Empire's actual recruitment. Yeah. Did anybody yeah. else find that really strange i honestly thought it was clever that means john williams is in the star wars (laughs) whoa (laughs) amazing 
right, uh, Lady One, what did you like about this movie? Despite how I ended up feeling after all of it, I really got goosebumps as soon as a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away popped up on the screen. I didn't think they were going to do that. I really didn't. I figured they'd just be like, this is this movie. And I got excited about that. I thought that was cool. And I liked being in the Star Wars universe without all of the mythology weighing on the story just like it's an action movie and none of this whole like mystical magic or good versus evil was just like not a nice person versus like a less nice person yeah there was a lot of restraint in that space which i think is is admirable that they didn't feel like they had to throw in some throwaway force lines here and yeah. there midichlorians yeah but now between this and last jedi somehow star wars movies are now about fuel <laughs> When I don't know if in any of the previous movies I heard the word fuel once. Everything's fuel in these newer ones, but everything in the prequels was trade. So it was still boring stuff. Ugh, I'm just like, okay, so... <laughs> Something I liked was I thought that Aaron Ironreich did his best. I was on, on his side while I was watching it. I was like, go, go you. You can do this. Yeah, it's a credit to him that out of everything in the movie, he's not one of the things near the top. He had a couple good mannerisms. He did fine with some of the lines. It was It was about as good as you could be for not Harrison Ford. Yeah. And uh, the train sequence was done well. The train heist was uh, pretty good. I really liked that train part with the way like it curved around the mountain and like tipped over. Yeah, it was a pretty cool creative way. It was really cool. It kind of made me think of Snowpiercer, right. which I mean as a compliment. Yeah. So I don't have much to say positive about this movie because the movie is, to me, it's the epitome of of mediocrity. Let's go ahead and we'll dive right into our fixes. This is what we're here for, the main event, everybody. Why don't you go first, ladies first, Lady Wan. Okay, so my first fix has to do with Han as a pilot. So we see in the beginning, he wants to be a pilot. That's all he wants to do. We know from meeting him later that he's the greatest pilot. Like, we get that about him. But we only see him fly twice in this entire movie. And both times, it's because the person who was supposed to be piloting gets mortally wounded. So that's kind of a bummer for Han, that the only time he gets to do the thing he's dreamed of doing his whole life is because somebody else died. So big picture, I would want that to inform his character so that he sees piloting as this incredibly dangerous thing and like that makes him like a more intense character. But we can't change who he becomes because we already know who he becomes. So instead, I need to see him flying more. He's the greatest pilot in the galaxy, but I only know that because Rio is like, oh, you're actually not that bad, kid. Like, I don't see him doing anything that amazing. I see him making questionable decisions, but I don't see him being a really skilled pilot. And I would have wanted to see all that time he spent with the Empire being a good pilot. I want to see him acing every test. I want to see him blowing away the rest of his class, but never moving forward because he can't stop mouthing off and he can't follow orders and he's just getting like, beat up by the imperial guards because he's not falling in line yeah it's funny it's like both of those things that you just mentioned illustrate a problem that's that recurs in this movie which is the characters keep telling you Mm -hmm. who they are as characters like i'm the best pilot i got kicked out for having a mind of my own but none of that is backed up by anything that happens in the movie right and there are there's line after line of of that in this movie where the dialogue is telling you about the character rather than the uh, the story and the situation showing you the character. And that's why you're exactly right. You're missing the pilot stuff 
that he's telling you he's a good pilot about and you're missing the kicked out of the empire for a mine of my own scene that should have something to do with piloting yeah yeah that would have been great to see him being the best pilot but getting under the skin of of the higher-ups so they won't let him do what he wants to do right i think that's a that's a perfect fix (laughs) eric give us your first fix all right uh my first fix comes in the scene where han gets on the yacht of dryden voss and he encounters kira for the first time since they had their dramatic separation Mm -hmm. yeah supposedly the three years yeah yeah three years of time we've seen han go literally in you know facing off against chewy in the pit dragging dragging himself through mud going and and participating in the empire kira is this this mystery to us and we reconnect with her and it's a very surreal oddly muted meeting yeah that Mm -hmm. at least left me feeling very confused even to the point of thinking is this some sort of fake out is this a projection what is happening because this is not how she would react han is likewise confused and as we learn later kira's gone through a lot and she mentions that she says that there's things that she's done and and we learn a little bit more about why she might have this reaction how she got here but at the outset i felt like they just really tossed away the first half of her character and the entire exposition of who she was yeah their secret moments together the fact Mm -hmm. that she was plotting with him that she had this underside uh that we learned about but she was also trying to escape you know they these were two characters perfectly aligned and i would have loved to seen a glimpse of them running or or her dragging Han out of the crowded party for a second and giving him that hug and saying, it's you, I can't believe it. And flashing back to her old self for a second and going, oh my gosh, you did this thing. And then having Mm -hmm. to catch herself and say, wait, there's something that I can't tell you, but I've changed. And then all of a sudden we've got this conflicted character and we want to know what happened. You know, how did you get here? And kind of drive wanting to know more. I didn't really immediately feel like I needed to know more. I felt like I was just confused now that she was entirely different than she was in the first act. Yeah, her character is different and hardened and whatnot, but she did not expect to see him there. Or ever. After right. three years or or ever. So her, her reaction is, is so weird and off. Like she's just like, oh, this like love of her life character that she was living with and was scraping by with and wanted to have a future with and was willing to risk this escape with. She's just like, hey, yeah. sup? How you been? Or, or even just <laughs> hey, tell him to get oh, yeah. out of there. Say, you know, yeah. oh my gosh, you're here. You shouldn't be here. Right. Instead, it was like a, hey, cool. Welcome to the party, I guess. You want a drink? Like, (laughs) yeah. What? Once again, a fantastic fix. What's your first fix, JC? Well, let me just piggyback on yours, perhaps, because you already brought up this once. It's uh, about his piloting. I also wanted a large portion of this movie to take place in the empire when he was under the employ of the empire because that should be a large part of his his character is showing why he was kicked out of the empire i do believe that this is how that should have played out you're absolutely right he should have wanted to be a pilot they're not letting him pilot so he's upset anyway because he's upset about that and also because perhaps he also there also needs to be a little more of a moral quandary when it comes to the the empire the empire is not shown as bad per se for the most part this story is taking place in a world that's below the empire this world of scoundrels and smugglers and violent cartels and whatnot but the empire needs to look also 
morally bankrupt as well. Show some of that stuff, maybe some of the mind of his own stuff. But this is some other part I, I wanted. I wanted this all to tie in together neatly. I wanted him to already be shunned by the Empire. He's got a mind of his own. They're not letting him do what he wants to do. He's already seen that the Empire is kind of a big evil entity anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that the heist people should have come to him and he should have been the inside man on their big heist against the Empire. Yeah. He's now the inside man on that heist. And then, of course, he's double-crossed. And that's when he gets imprisoned with Chewbacca. And maybe the final act of this movie could have been him uh, getting back at all these people or something like that. Mm -hmm. I thought that could have been a better inclusion of the Empire in this story. And uh, that's my fix. <laughs> Lady Wan, lay on us another one. Okay. So Han meets Chewie in this pit, and he's referred to as the Beast. And we we hear that before when uh, Tobias Beckett says, you know, this guy's a deserter, and he tries to get rid of Han that way. They say, all right, we're going to feed him to the Beast. And I, the first time I saw this movie, I saw it with a friend of mine who turned to me, and he goes, oh, Rancor! And we got all excited to see that. We're like, oh, that's what it's going to be. That's going to be so cool. And then the Beast was... Chewy? That's stupid. There's a whole planet of his kind. His language is known at least enough around the galaxy that some essentially like orphan on Corellia knows it. Yeah, he's he's not like some unknown right. species. There's a whole bunch of Wookiees working at the spice mines. He's not a mystery creature. He's not a beast. Also, as far as we know, he doesn't eat people. He only eats porgs. <laughs> so I don't know how that was going to work. The other white meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, now I'm sad about the Porgs again. He looks less alien than half the aliens in the in the movie. Yeah, I certainly and, wouldn't assume that he is a beast. Yeah, this is a, a universe full of actual beasts too. Like they've they've shown us monsters before that you would call the beast, and it's not Chewbacca, right? And they're just dropping people in there. They said they haven't fed him in three days, so I guess Chewie ate some guy three days ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I guess that's canon now is that Chewie ate somebody. <laughs> like, Chewie will eat people. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. That just felt very wrong to me. You know, we're supposed to understand that Chewie owes Han a life debt and that's why they're they're besties forever. But that didn't seem to happen in this movie. I hope that that's not what they're pretending that interaction and that meeting was because they never use the term life debt. He never seems to save Chewie's life. Chewie was just going to hang out there, I guess, eating people forever. That doesn't seem like the worst thing. He wasn't going to be executed. He was just going to eat people. And then when they get to Kessel, Han's like, you can go. It's cool. So that that can't be the life debt. I don't understand. I don't know. Are they saving that for another movie that I don't want to see? Or was that it? And it was just really clunky. Good call. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of Chewie, you know, there are cases where uh, after a human has passed away in a house or whatever, there are cases of the dog eating the, the corpse. Are you saying that's why Chewie was sad when Han fell off the bridge? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, that's perfectly good food. Like, no! <laughs> <laughs> if there, no, that was my dinner. <laughs> oh my god! He's been waiting like forty years to eat him. <laughs> I've been letting that meat age for years. <laughs> oh. oh, disgusting. Okay. <laughs> 
Give us your next fix, Eric. Uh, well, staying on on Chewie now, since we're talking about him, uh, I thought this movie could be the opportunity we could use to learn a little bit more about who he is, uh-huh. other than just Han's sidekick. And it would be amazing if they would actually subtitle him in this movie so that the audience could once understand what Chewie is saying. There's even a good opportunity for it when Han talks to Chewie in the Kashyyyk language. We could subtitle that so we know what Han said. And then all of a sudden now it's on and we can understand what he is, what he's saying. Almost like that moment in Hunt for Red October when they're speaking Russian and then the camera like slowly zooms into the mouth and then pulls out and they're speaking English. Right. It's like we've entered, we're with Han. This movie is called Solo. Right. So now we're in Han's perspective. So let's understand what he's saying. And then that would give us an opportunity to say, you know, because we only hear Chewie through Han. Right. We never hear Chewie. So what if Chewie is talking back all the time? Is he (laughs) is he complying with things that are saying? Is he offering sage advice? Is he a bit of a goofball? Like, we don't know. It just comes out the same way. Does he tell dirty jokes? Right. Like, that'd be great to give him some some character background because he's still around in the in the trilogies. He's still in the main thread of the mm-hmm. the series like let's know a little bit that hey maybe Chewie's a lot smarter than as we let on it's just people don't quite always understand him yeah it'd be really funny if he was not smarter <laughs> he's always he's always smelling food that's what he's talking about half the time yeah like he's always that- talking about when they can eat next <laughs> and and you could have fun with what he would say in other series, you know, go back and be like, you know, similar situation where Han's like, of course not, or what do you know, or, uh, well, that's ridiculous. And then you could be like, oh, I bet he was talking about this now. He learned a little bit about him. There's that one scene where it's like, what do you think we should do? And she was like, find something to eat. I smell some food. And he's like, well, what do you know? Exactly. <laughs> You're always talking about food, Chewie. What the heck? Yeah. yeah, that would be really great. I love that idea. That would be when, awesome. When he meets his fellow Wookiees on the, the Spice Mines as well, there could be a little bit of actual, like, you know. They're like, sup, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a, an opportunity that I think could have been fun, could have given a little more depth to the character, but for, Chewie Definitely. will forever be. Well, I don't even know what they're going to do now. Han's gone in the main series. Is he just going to speak with a voice box? Does Ray? Yeah, who's Wookie? who's interpreting? I feel like she does. I think Ray knows what he's saying. Maybe. Yeah, I hope they give Chewie much more to do in the latest trilogy. I hope so. Yeah, not using him at all, and I love him. Do you think he's got a regular penis or like a dog lipstick penis? Stay tuned in the next episode of the Han trilogy. <laughs> JC, do you have a fix? I, I wasn't so keen on the droid character of L337. Is that right? Yeah. Also, um, Boo on the name. That's really lame. Yeah, L33. Oh, d- didn't it have some kind of sig- significance? They yeah, it's it. like leet. Like, ugh, I don't know. It's just try hard. It's try- <laughs> It's a bit try hard. It is. We've been doing this overly sentient droid thing for a while now in the Star Wars universe. Um, uh-huh. I have a mind of my own and I'm sassy and I and I talk back. I don't know why every robot is getting progressively more sassy and like independent. Like and I think L337 is the is where they jump the shark with it. I mean, she's now a droid activist starting revolutions on slave mine planets. I and mean, it was and it was done very heavy-handedly uh to the point where I was just getting sick of her. I would have 
just taken that whole thing out and I would have made her a completely different type of droid because she's she's Lando's droid and I didn't think she fit well with Lando. This is what I think L337 should have been if Lando was going to have a droid in this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like L337 should have been an older model escort bot. Like he had won in a gambling, he like he won in a gam, he won some money in a gambling game, and he was at some, of course, some kind of space brothel, and he finds this uh, not often used older model escort bot that's very un unhappy, partially metal, partially uh, humanoid skin kind of, and he takes this bot and he ends up loving this bot and he loves the bot so much that he doesn't he doesn't have sex with her because that was her use was that i thought that could have been a really neat take on that particular droid and kind of like a sweet take on on lando as well kind of showing his character he's not he's not so pimp yet he's uh he's loving he's caring maybe he's loving when he's like smooth Bespin Lando too, but shows that he's got a softer side and he has especially a soft side for L337. And that also makes her death all the more powerful. Yeah, I felt like everything you're saying makes more sense than what they did because he seems just kind of fine with her until she gets like blastered. And then he's like, no. And I'm like, wait, wait, do you love her? Do you? Because she presents it as like, he's got feelings for me. I don't feel that way. But we don't know that that's the case until then and he's like making fun of her politics like that doesn't seem like somebody he cares for yeah he should have been brought over to her side as far as droid rights he should have been like i have learned from her that you know these droid fights at the bar are wrong i agree with her i i don't mind that she's starting this revolution like i'm fine with all of it because i see her points she has convinced me over time and it gives some more depth to their relationship and it makes her not a punchline because her droid activism is a joke and it it shouldn't be a joke if it's going to be activism that's not yeah that's not okay to do right they took it a little too far over the top to make it like isn't she crazy how she wants robots to be free right like what 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 are you saying here it just felt very icky the way it was a joke that she wanted equal rights (laughs) like that was literally a punchline she needed to be different he needed a a different type of of droid than her and and again you pointed out another point in this story where the story's telling you something and not showing you something like oh right he's got feelings for me but i'm not into it we don't really see that right and and that's just another point in this story where the dialogue is telling us things but the story's not mm-hmm. okay yeah so i thought that would have led to a better more poignant death as well something mm-hmm. that that really something that really affects lando and brings lando into the fold more because lando for most of this movie is so tied to the millennium falcon he doesn't leave it right if we change his relationship with l3 to like what you said then that's when he should love the falcon because now she's in it forever yeah like he should just be like oh my ship's pretty great and then now that she's in it, now he's like, I can never be without that shit because that's his girl. Yeah. And instead, he just seems like, oh, man, you got me when Han wins it from him at the end. And he should be devastated. He's yes, just lost he his be. love. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Ugh. Ugh, ridiculous. Honestly, same thing with Tobias Beckett when his partner sacrifices herself at that one yeah. point. And then like the next scene, he's talking with Han. And he's like, well, you win some, you lose some. And then they like stroll <laughs> You lose off. your like partner, like your yeah. lo- like your Yeah. I don't know. People are not <laughs> reacting appropriately to deaths in these movies. 
Anybody else have any any last thoughts or one last little fix or one last just any comment about Solo, a Star Wars story? I got one last fix. I think I could sneak in. Yeah, go for it. So you were talking about the development of Lando yes. using L3. I also would have liked to seen a little more from Lando and the just growth over yeah. the movie because the way we see him is basically a young version of Billy D. Williams. Yeah. And Donald Glover did fine in that department. I don't really have a problem with him in that. But I would have loved to see him one notch down from where he ultimately ends up. Right. And some sort of interaction with Han or something that happens in the Spice Mines or something kind of make you go, ah, that's the final piece. So to make um, the, uh, the Lando that we know and say, oh, you know, he changed. He got, you know, a little bit of dirty tricks from Han. I, I think there was something that could have happened there so that he wasn't just a stencil of what he was before. Like when he's like a young and young and inexperienced gambler type. Yeah, that would be good. Han still has to get the Falcon somehow, but you're right. Some kind of character development for Lando. Yeah, I mean, Han doesn't have to win the Falcon from him at the end of this movie because they already subvert your expectations when they first play cards. Like everybody watching that is like, oh, he's totally going to win the Falcon now. It. And he yeah. doesn't. And that that's like a gotcha moment for the audience. He doesn't have to win the Falcon at the end of this movie because not everything we know about Han Solo's entire life should happen in one week. Yeah, like, this we is like some this it. is like a big week in the life of Han Solo. <laughs> like he met he Chewie, Lando, he met Lando, Chewie. did yeah. the Kessel Run. Like, uh-huh. All, like of all of that stuff. Did you also kind of not like the fact that it's implied that he helped jumpstart the rebellion? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't dig that. Like, I don't know. I I would have preferred yeah. not for the leader of that group to give him one vial, but he should have been like pocketing some because yeah, he's, he he's a thief. Some, he's yeah. a smuggler. Like he should have been like, I actually like he should have told Chewie like oh, I kept some. Yeah, like Rocket in Guardians too. You should have done yeah. that. Also, that stuff looks exactly the same. <laughs> Those batteries. Space fuel <laughs> is space fuel. That's all it comes in. Little glass vials. We can see the fuel inside because it's really important to see it. Because if you can't see it, who knows? Who knows what's in there? If that's it, I think we should consider this screen fixed. All right. Why don't you send us home? We missed you last week. Aww. The rest of us just stumble through this. <laughs> Because you have this on lock. Oh, oh, expectations are high right now. Be smooth as Lando. Go. Okay. So if you'd like to reach out to us here at the show, you can send an email to screenfixpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at screenfixpod. We're also on Instagram at screenfixpod and on Facebook. Just search for screenfixpodcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Libsyn, and probably another one that I've forgotten. Is there another one? Google Play. Yeah, that was it. We also have a Patreon account. If you want to donate to the show, we would love it. Uh, we like to keep the show going for you. And we also have dreams of using any donations to perhaps open a one-screen theater. That is our dream, to be the home of podcasting and film festivals and midnight showings and cult movies and marathons and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Why don't we leave everybody? I want to hear everyone's best Chewbacca saying, I'm hungry <laughs> in the Kashyyyk tongue. Go ahead. I'll let you go here. This is going to be terrible. Apologies to uh, George <laughs> Lucas, Ron Howard, and uh, Peter Mayhew. <clears throat> I'm hungry. <laughs> wow, that was... 
a Muppet. <laughs> that was that, that was, was like Gazish. That was that was very Frank Oz. <laughs> that was Yoda saying, "I'm hungry." By the way, <laughs> hey, he's probably hungry too. Right. Who's how about not? you? How about you, Lady Wan? <laughs> This is really hard to do. I have never attempted this before. (laughs) (laughs) Went for the native Kashyyyk, I understand. I think some spit just hit me. (laughs) All right, do it. Wipe that off. Me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good stuff. All right. Next week, we'll be fixing something else. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>